On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football with a recap of OU's loss against Iowa State. We also touch on Oklahoma State's dominant win over Kansas. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap some of the marquee games from the weekend and give you a few pieces of college football news. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with the new Monday night football matchup between the Patriots and Chiefs. To finish up, we discuss the rare new animal at the OKC Zoo in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. My man, Michael Asti, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, October 5th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. And this is this is probably the episode that I'm going to call the delirious episode because just just for full disclosure, we got done with the radio broadcast with post game last night at Jack Trice Stadium in Ames, Iowa, at about what Ted midnight is when we right wrapped around up midnight, I think. So right around midnight. So you would think, okay, you spend the night in the hotel, you drive back in the morning, maybe get up a little early, get home a little earlier. We decided to just go straight home. And that was the dumbest decision ever. I feel horrible. like complete shit. <laughs> I feel hungover and I don't even know. It's like my body's warm. It's it feels like a hangover, and I didn't have anything to drink last night. I'm just sleep deprived. This is why they use sleep deprivation as a form of torture. I feel awful. It was such a. It looked, you know, it's like, hey, if we just hammer home after the game, you got your Sunday to kind of recoup a little bit. Wrong. That was just wrong and stupid, and and just wrong. <laughs> Now, that you, was horrible. You did say hammer home. You were going 100 miles an hour in front of us. Now, shout out to our boy, Chris Plank. I didn't have to drive back at all. Plank was like, I got this, man. I'm doing it. I was like, dude, you do you. I can't sleep in cars, though. So I, I kept my man Plank company. 
but you were doing triple digits for a solid like five straight hours. It was unbelievable. Now, I wasn't going that fast. I think the since you guys were in the gigantic uh, monster mini monster truck, truck, I think the speedo was off with the wheels or something. But I, I was I was in the vicinity of that uh, number. I'll tell you that. We, dude, I was. I felt great at midnight. I felt great at 3 a.m. I felt great at 5 a.m. At 6 a.m., I felt horrible. And I was like, oh, my God. This is, when the sun started to come up over the horizon, it really hit me. You drive like a madman, dude. I love. <laughs> first of all, I love it because we were just right behind you. And I was like, hey, if anyone gets a ticket, it's going to be Teddy. We're good here. We can cruise. But, yeah, I... I was curious, so when I got in bed, and I live a lot closer than you do, so like I came home, you know, put all my stuff in the room, took some stuff out of the bag, got kind of settled, and got in bed at 8.13 (laughs) a.m. And it made me so sad. Yeah, I I mean, it was the same thing. What what really sucked was, for me was pulling into the spot where we all met in North OKC. And it's like, okay, we're here. No, not for me. I've got another like 40 minute drive on me. I felt uh, bad for me. you. So that was, uh, it was great. I got home and I slept. I got this. Out. I was like, I think I was in bed maybe about eight 30 and I crashed and woke up right before noon. It was like, it was perfect. I got up at like 11.55, checked to make sure all my fantasy stuff was okay. It really wasn't, but <laughs> I, I, I was awake at that point. And then I watched the first round of games. I was I felt okay. And then when and the second then. round of games started, I dozed off. And I should not have let myself fall asleep. I dozed off, and then my wife comes into the bedroom. She's like, hey. I just figured I'd wake you up. It's 7 o'clock. I know you've got your show at 8. I was like, <laughs> what? It's what time? 7? Oh, my God. So I started panicking. It was horrible. Now, I, uh, you're going to have to excuse me because the sleep deprivation, I, it still feels like a continuation of Saturday evening to me. So I don't know that I've locked everything into long-term memory yet. So <laughs> maybe yeah. some things that, have, that slipped through the crack in today's uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, I apologize if this episode is terrible, but maybe it's <laughs> terrible in the best way. The, the goal really is for us to both make it through it and stay awake. I mean, I mean that's the goal. So I – Well, I mean, I know what's going to happen awful. now. I'm going to feel horrible, and then we're going to get through it, and I've got, the, I've got Sunday night football recording, and then I'm going to drag onto the couch, turn on Sunday night football, and about 10 o'clock tonight, I'm going to be like, yeah, let's go, just raring to go, and I'm not going to be able to be fall wide awake. Uh, well, let's, let's get to the, uh, the depressing stuff, shall we? Uh, let's get to some local college football Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzer is amazing, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. 
Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. That continues to happen quite a bit. Someone tagged me in one. Dude was holding a tall boy of a Will and Wiley, oh. and the steering wheel was in the background. I wanted to be like, hey, bud, you know, may, I, I assume you're just transporting that, but maybe, you know, maybe a different background for, for that picture. Um, okay, so OU goes to Ames and loses to them there for the first time since 1960. And the Sooners lose back-to-back games in the regular season for the first time since 1999. And it was an evenly matched football game, which is alarming right. in my mind. In my mind, like, Oklahoma should have better players than Iowa State. And I'm not sure... This is this is the way I saw. I, I I rewatched the game today with one eye open, Teddy, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, does like how many players on that Iowa State defense would start for Oklahoma?" Yeah, that that's where I was like, "Man, maybe we maybe we thought this Oklahoma team was more talented than they are." But do you want to start? Because the way we've been doing this, we've been going, you know, by sides of the ball. You want to start on offense or defense? Um, I, well, I think we can start on offense because I think the most important thing coming out of this deal is it. just to back up, you know, talking about the game on Friday, I, I would think that, and I, and I said that, you know, we'll know coming out of this thing if we win or lose looking at how Spencer Rattler played, right? Because this this offense or this defense for Iowa State is it's unique. They kind of bait you into making mistakes. And, you know, if we look at the box score and he's got two turnovers, two interceptions, or, you know, I, I mean, we'll be able to tell. If, if Rattler goes out and plays good against this defense, we'll win the football game. And that's really not what happened. I thought Rattler played his best game so far. And he was, yeah, let's start with the optimism first. Yeah. Uh, I, Rattler was really good. Composed, used tough. his legs, tough, took some, took some hits straight to the face, literally. Uh, had some big time throws, the deep one to Rambo early in the game. Uh, stood there on a zero blitz, took a hit, gave Stogner a chance. Obialo drops, well, didn't drop one, but had two in the end zone that should have been touchdowns. For him, Theo Weiss probably drops his best pass of the night. Mm-hmm. Goes right between his hands as he's scrambling to his right. Uh, it, but and I and I know I understand the controversy of the last play. Did Rambo get grabbed by Eisworth? Yes. Was it subtle? Yes. Should the refs have called it? Probably. Should Spencer Rattler have been going there with the football? No. If you go back and watch the play, I watched it 20 times today. Stogner is coming wide open on the over route as everything clears for an easy first down. Now, I understand it. You want to try to give Rambo a chance, right? But there is a deep safety sitting right there in the middle of the field. For that throw specifically, 
Mm-hmm. And the best outcome of that throw, even if, if Rambo doesn't get tugged, right, is he jumps up in the air and breaks up that interception. Like, I know we, he, he's saying he wanted to give him a chance, but that wasn't the read. That wasn't the smart throw. And he, he hadn't done that the entire night, really. Yeah, and he, he didn't the throw need to too. at that point either. No, he didn't. He didn't. It was a mistake. It was, should they have called time. the hold? Yes. There's no doubt. Was that a huge missed call? Yes. But that doesn't change the fact that he shouldn't have gone there with the football. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. They had plenty of time whenever that interception took place. And I thought he had done, for the most part, all evening, a really good job of, you know, it was kind of a big talking point for us going into the thing is take what they give you, be okay with, with the shorter underneath throws, don't be forced into anything over the top trying to t- take big chunk plays whenever you can get by with, with just moving the chains. And they had time. So, yeah, that was the first time he really forced the issue. I mean, he, he took some shots deep, but whenever it was proper reads. And, yeah, you know, when we were watching it live, whenever the ball was in the air, I was watching the, the high safety. And so whenever I saw that, I didn't really see the play in, in live action. Toby saw it and everyone, you know, and you can see it's easier to see in full speed than it is in, in – Com- completely agree with that. You can yeah. see like the change of pace from Rambo when he gets right. grabbed. I, yeah, and I get it, Lynn. People can be pissed about that, uh, and I understand it, but it shouldn't never come to I know we say this all the time, but it shouldn't have come to that. I mean, this is – they had a chance to really extend that lead in the first half, and, and they didn't capitalize it, capitalize on it. That, and, that's the big thing is they had – and, and penalties killed us all night. That one, obviously, uh, that no call. But we had penalties extend drives for Iowa State and take points off the board for us. So, um, and yet again, man, every single time special teams comes into play. So that was what we had the momentum, and it looked like we were we were going to really get this thing going. You know, we had chances to break it open in the second half, but or in the first half, but in the second half. We we got the turnover. We got the touchdown. We looked like we were about to, you know, start dominating that football game, and then special teams creeps up again. Biggest play of the game, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you finally get that turnover. Isaiah Thomas with the nice little chop rip. Gets to the quarterback, sack strip, fumble. Sooners fall on it. Offense rewards the defense, right? Goes right down, punches it in for a touchdown. And then you give up the, I believe it was, what, 84, 85-yard kickoff return to Nwangu and never got the momentum back. I mean, it just completely, completely killed the momentum for Oklahoma, and it brought that stadium to life, which was surprisingly loud for how yeah. few people were there. They got a great sound system. Sound system is legit. I mean, <laughs> it makes uh, 15,000 or whatever is there. You know, it is odd, though. I never would have thought, but I guess they really like their techno up in Iowa because that's oh what Oh, my God. It was house the... music all night. Yeah, it was a little strange, but hey, you know what? I was, was like, am my... I in spring break? Am I at spring break <laughs> like in Vegas, like circa 2012? Or am I a 30-year-old in 2020? Like, what is happening? It was, it was interesting, but that, that crowd was great. They were great. Now – Sticking to the offense, 
still some serious offensive line issues. Now, they are not playing as bad as some people think they are playing. Uh, I watched it all. Again, I watched all the negative and zero-yard runs. Today, not many of the mistakes, once again, are on the offensive line. They just don't have guys. Uh, now, the, the, the big criticisms I have of the offensive line, number one, they are still not finishing blocks. They do not have the attitude that these previous offensive lines here have had. They are complacent with just being on their guy, blocking the right guy, and not finishing. And that's, that's not going to win you games this year. It, it, it's just not. Oklahoma is not way more talented than the rest of the teams in this conference. It's, it's starting to level out a little bit. Which is, so, I mean, that's, that's how you opened up the, the segment talking about it. And I agree. I mean, it's, it's scary to think that Iowa State had – they had the best running back and receiver on the field. Um, and I, I'm using receiver loosely with Kolar. Right. Um, you know, um, defensively, I mean, it's the you, – you just see right there, their guys – I, you can see the difference between tackling well and not tackling well. It's just it's right there, right in front of your face. Especially in the secondary, mm-hmm. and we will uh, we'll get to that when we start talking about the defense. But one thing that does stand out to me, my biggest criticism of this offensive line right now, a lot of position blocking, which is which is really really odd for a Bill Bedenboe led unit. Now, I am all for a measured and smart approach coming out of your stance, not just firing off trying to kill people because that's really not how it works at this level. But at some point, you got to come off the damn football. I mean, these zone concepts that they're running now, and I like that they're running more of them, you got to run. You can't, hey, shuffle, shuffle, let's stay in space, let's stay flat on the line of scrimmage. You have to run. The key to outside zone, the key to a successful mid zone is you have to run and threaten the defense. You have to threaten their outside edge. Because you know as well as I do, Teddy, like the last thing a guy wants to do is get reached. And I know that they're two gapping up front and it's a little different, but you threaten them with that speed outside. You have to run. That's how great zone teams do it. And then the gap scheme stuff, I don't know what they're trying to do on the front side of it, but it seems like they have just started walling guys off on the front side. Like they just get in their way instead of denting it. Instead of really coming off and trying to move people. Like they're yeah. shielding guys. And, and that is shrinking those running lanes on that GT counter. It it really is because they're not getting any movement on the front side. Even the guys climbing to the second level, getting stalemates with linebackers, like they got to go punish those little dudes. They got to move people. They're not getting that movement. They're not running enough, in my opinion, in the zone concepts to really threaten the defense by stretching them. And then in the gap scheme stuff, it's too much position blocking. It's not enough 
hey, let's get after these guys. Let's embarrass them. Let's put them into the turf. I, I just don't see that. And now, for the most part, these guys are blocking the right people. Like, when you put it on paper, like, they, they've been pretty solid in the running game when it comes to blocking the right guys. They're just not finishing them at a high enough level. It's, it, it's got to get better. And once again, some of those negative and zero-yard runs, like, sometimes the guys are blocking the right guys. And then you have a guy like Seth McGowan who thinks it's high school, apparently, and then he can dance in the backfield and then run sideways and then run back the other way sideways. Like, you can't do that at this yeah. level. You just can't. So it's a combination, but it starts up front. There's no doubt. They got to start being a little more assertive up front. Less position blocking. They got to impose their will a little more. They're, they're yeah. blocking the right guys. They're doing some good things. That's, it's close. It's really close, but they got to turn it up a level. They got to. I thought. I actually thought when you go back and watch it, most of the protection breakdowns are either on Rattler or on the backs, right? When he was really under pressure. Now, Tyrese Robinson got beat one time. Creed slipped one time, caused some pressure up the middle. Like, okay, but for the most part in protection, they're pretty solid. And I thought Rattler, man. That kid can move within the pocket. Uh, I know he does a good job of escaping too, but he's starting to show some serious ability to just be mobile, you know, kind of slide away from the pressure. He's doing some high-level stuff, man. I, I am excited about what I've seen from him. No, I agree. I, I think he's, he's looked really good at times. He's made some good throws. He's had some good pocket awareness. I'd like a couple of those escapes. I'd like him to go ahead and get down and not get obliterated out there, kind of trying to fight for that extra one or two yards. I don't but, know. W was he trying to jump on that one like his legs just didn't work, like when he was going for the first down marker? I'm not sure what was going on there. The one over on the OU sideline? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know what happened, but the, all I saw was uh, Mike Rose at full speed go right into his mouth. <laughs> Which was uh, which was pretty brutal, and it's like just step out of bounds there, dude. I don't know, but I thought he. I, it's it's shocking to think that we're coming out of that game with a loss, and I'm I think Rattler maybe played his best game. I which, agree. You know, so that's weird to say. You, you talk about the, the circumstances. Line. Yeah, the circumstances on the road. The weather was shitty. Uh, against that defense, for a guy making his first road start in conference play. Bouncing back after a multi-turnover game? I'm not sure you can ask much more from a guy. He played well, like he did. There's no doubt. Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm with you on all of the offensive line stuff in the running game. They've got to get more movement. Um, you know, the, the movement thing is it's there's more to it than just creating bigger holes. Like linebackers have to, especially in the gap scheme stuff, whenever there's pullers that come that come from one side of the formation to the other – linebackers have to go from one side of the formation to the other to follow that and then refit those the new gaps that they create whenever they come around the formation. And if there's movement on the front side, the linebackers have a hard time getting over that, that congestion and then coming back downhill with any force you know, to, to try and fit that run. And if there's not movement, your angles are better and you can come down and meet that thing at the point of attack and have some punch. So – yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And it's we are three games in, Gabe. 
and we're averaging like right around 3.6, 3.7 yards a carry. This is a six yards per carry team last year in a full season, and that's telling. Now, we ended up giving ourselves a chance down the stretch, which, you know, I, you can credit that to, to the way Rattler played, but we were 4 of 13 on third down. And, I mean, number one, in recent years, we haven't been in a game with 13 third downs. Like, we're never even in third down. They just totally eat people's lunch on first and second down. But now we're having trouble running the football, and we're getting into those third and seven, eight, or more, and it's just incredibly difficult to, to convert those third downs. And I think that was, that was a big factor. And Iowa State had a pretty good pressure package out of their third and long stuff. So Yeah, you know, a lot of that double mug stuff, showing seven up, dropping out, sometimes bringing it. That's difficult. It's difficult on the offensive line. It's difficult on the quarterback. It's difficult on the you backs. You got to sort it quick. You got to sort it out quick. And also, the key is to avoid getting in that down and distance so you don't have to deal with that shit. That's right. I mean, that's, that's really the key. And then, uh, I mean, one thing that stands out to me, just one last thing on the offensive line, you go right down the field, first drive of the game. You're humming. The mm -hmm. offense, hey, running it well, play action well, big chunk play. You get down inside the 10-yard line. You run it three times. You don't get in the end zone. You settle yeah. for a field goal. And that, that's not, we're not used to that. That kind of set the tone for the yeah. night. Uh, they, they had some trouble. There's no hey, doubt. Back, that third down stuff, uh, back to that real quick for Iowa State. I will say this. Even though there was only 15,000 there, that's pretty damn cool. Like whenever you have a defense that's good and that's playing well, whenever that tornado siren goes off on third down and fans start getting into it, that's Dude, pretty cool. I, I'll say this. Iowa State fans are awesome. I, yeah. those people love that team. It's really all they got names. I, I mean, it's great. And they, they showed up and they made a ton of noise. And I know that they were pumping noise in and that's fine. Like that's what you should do. Right. I mean, if it's legal, do it. But yeah, I was impressed with the crowd. I really was. And well, their team uh, gave them something to yell about. Yep. No, well, they did. They, they those jerseys well, were sick too. Ah, dude, all black look always looks good, man. Black black unis always look painted good. the field up too. Man, look good. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. Some some good performances. Uh. I think Stogner's turning into the best weapon on this football team. Um. Mims had a couple catches, then went quiet, kind of disappeared. Uh, Rambo did some good things. Uh, still got some speed. Uh, Jeremiah Hall, all of a sudden, just a go-to weapon <laughs> as a fullback. <laughs> but it, it was an okay performance offensively. Um, it, it was okay. I mean, it was uh, against a good defense on the road. You put up 30 points. Maybe you're thinking that's enough to win, but nah, not that's, that's under the standard, right, that's been set under Lincoln Riley. So – you know, you left points on the field. That's the thing. Settled for some field goals. You left points on the field. So, just just unfortunate. But let's move to the defense, Ted. And this is kind of your specialty. Um, they had a lot of issues. But ultimately, I, I think this, 
this performance by OU's defense can be summed up in one phrase, missed opportunities. Yeah. I was hoping we were just going to cruise on to uh, some call your shot, but I guess we do have to hit the defense. Man, it's defense is there's it's there's a bunch of really complicated things there's a lot of really really difficult adjustments and and things that you have to do it's hard to beat blocks it's hard to you know have to cover you know down the field on an athletic guy it's hard to tackle a guy in in space but i mean at the end of the day defense is all about bringing people to the ground I mean, it really doesn't matter what scheme you run, what front you run, what coverage you run. You have to be able to get people to the ground. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's where you start. And I was I was talking with Toby about it. And, you know, tackling is – we've had more of an issue with it than I think uh, if, if you just looked at, looked at college in general – it's been a problem, but it's been more of a problem than us, than a lot of people. And there's, there's people out there that prove that you can do it and do it well. I think Iowa State is an example of that. It's a really, really good tackling team. A lot of those plays that we have, it's catch tackle. It's, you know, one-on-one with the back and the safety. And the safety, a lot of times, is going to make that play to bring him down. It's a, it's a first down, but they'll still get you to the ground and, and you live to, to snap it again. You know, we're having so much problems tackling, and I, I, this is the way I, I look at it. Tackling is it's the only thing in any sport that happens. I mean, in football, it happens every single snap, unless obviously someone goes out of bounds or it's an incomplete pass or you score a touchdown. It happens every single snap on both sides of the ball, but it's the only thing in sports that happens that regularly in a game that you don't practice. I mean, you do the footwork and you wrap up and you butt up guys, but you don't tackle every day, all day in practice. You shoot threes nonstop. You rebound nonstop. You shoot free, free throws. You work on defense. I mean, in every other sport, the things that happen the most in those sports, you practice it nonstop. And bringing people to the ground does not happen in college football, in pro football. Heck, probably not even in high school and little league football the way that it used to. You always tackled people to the ground. That's how you get good at it is tackling people to the ground. And I just – there's not enough of it anymore. I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why numbers in in sports and in football are up as far as offensive numbers, and it's because you don't practice nearly as much defense as you used to. Now, all of that being said, we have to figure out a way to do it. And I don't, I honestly, aside from doing it in practice, I don't know, I don't know any other way to practice it. I really don't. I mean, we can't just, I know there's personnel issues and everyone wants to um, come after this guy or that guy or, or whatever, I, and maybe you give other guys a chance, but I just don't know that there's some easy answer to that, like pull someone out and put someone else in. I mean, coaches, coaches aren't in the business of playing guys that aren't the best one at the position. That's not yeah, that's, how you win football games. 
I mean, yeah, let's let's just call it. You know, a lot of people calling for Buki to be replaced, right? And, and he had a rough night. I mean, there's there's no doubt they targeted him on purpose. They attacked him uh, with Kolar, and he gave up big plays. He he gave up, you know, catches and long runs where he missed tackles. He had several PIs. Uh, it gave up a ton of size in those situations, uh, but you can't give up those big plays. Like it, you always talk about it, Ted. It's if it's a catch and throw, it's catch throw get tackled. Right. And going back and look at it, like he he's making good breaks on the football. His angles, I I, I just don't know if he needs to get the protractor out or or what. But he also had the roughing the passer, um, so. Just angles are really are usually really rough yeah. rough game for 44 when you see someone that has a bad angle on a guy that's usually from from bad footwork bad technique or bad alignment you know if you're not aligned properly you know there's a big difference between being a yard closer or a yard farther away from a guy i mean whenever you're trying to make a play on him if you're if you're three feet away you're lunging and trying to it's a prayer to make a tackle if you're in the right spot, you're you're three or four feet closer. You can you can butt up, get contact, and bring them down. I mean, that's just just plain and simple. At the end of the day, it this is this is something that everyone can see. We we have to get we have to get bigger at the secondary. We have to be more physical and better tackling in the secondary. And and that's not to just say that everyone else played well and it's all on the the OU secondary. That's not true. There was tons of missed tackles to go around both linebacker D line um, you know all over the place but plain and simple we've got to get bigger we've got to get more physical and we got to be able to bring guys to the ground just have to okay one thing I was re-watching the game today and uh, I, I had I, I definitely want your thoughts on this so Iowa State it was and, and they've done it before with their personnel groupings with what they do offensively but Alex Grinch's defense, it has all this movement, right? It's based off the strength of formations, you know, where the back's aligned, all these things. And clearly, Iowa State knows that. And they're throwing all kinds of different personnel groupings. Essentially, every snap, they're shifting and motioning or one or the other. I mean, they're, they're never staying stationary in their formations, uh, they're making the defense communicate, you know, where the movement's supposed to come from. Now, all that stuff, like, my, my question is, at what point does that become such a burden that you just say, hey, guys, we're going to play straight, and you need to be better than them? Yeah. Because, like, I, I get the creating chaos with all the slanting and angling, and that's what they do. I understand that. But at some point, in my mind, when a team is doing all this shit, and credit credit to Iowa State, because I'm not sure people realize how hard it is to remember all those formations, all those shifts, all those motions. Like, that's not easy. Like, well, that imagine takes time. having to imagine having to remember your entire defensive call sheet and every adjustment out of every single call with every motion, every shift, everything that happens. See, so, that's it, my point. Is at what point when you're playing a team and you realize they're doing that, do you just go, okay, guys, we're going to line up 
we're going to play gap sound defense, whoop their ass, let's roll. Like that's well, – I know that's really, really not what they do. I mean, you can, you can play your defensive line straight up and stop shifting. Well, you, you, you have to shift, but you can stop like slanting and doing some of those games and stuff and stemming. Because the more those guys were moving up front, the there more the off linebackers. <laughs> there was a couple of plays where they looked like they were doing like a training camp drill, like they were doing like <laughs> like seat rolls. They're just like, like shifted up. all over the place. Well, I mean, here's here's the real issue, and it goes back to size in the secondary. Without getting too technical into this, so whenever anytime you have what's called a, a nub side for a defense, that's whenever you like a tight end on the line is the is the only guy on that side of the formation there all the wide receivers and everyone's on the other side so anytime you have a, a nub side it's it creates issues defensively in different coverages because now the corner and the safety on that side are in the fit okay and depending on how you play your your defensive line the corner is either the edge player or if the defensive end comes out and, and aligns outside, the corner has to come inside of that alignment, and he's now in like the C-gap, which would be between the tight end and the tackle in a traditional formation. Hey, Teddy, our listeners can handle it. Tell them about the C-7, man. Come on. <laughs> come on. Well, all I'm saying is whenever they, they align and then shift and then motion – they're doing it sometimes in unbalanced and sometimes in a traditional tight ends on the inline of the formation. They're creating a, the nub side and they're forcing our small players, our corners, into the run fit. And there's no, there's no way around that. And I mean, unless you want to change your personnel and throw more linebackers out there with the defenses that we're, we're in and the coverages that we're in, I mean, you can't, that's just how it's going to be, man. It, it's tough. Now, there's some things that you can do to to be better aligned and better positioned to play those, but guess what happens? The offense doesn't just sit there and bang their head against the wall and be like, wow, man, this is really good. This is going to be a long night. Nope. They're going to adjust whenever you have different personnel in there. If you go bigger personnel, they're going to spread you out and then put you into space and use the space against you. So, you know, all that to be said, I don't want to say, like, that's an excuse. It's not. You've got to figure out a way to, to, to do it. But at the end of the day, you go back and look at – from two weeks, Kansas State, the five or so explosive plays that they have, aside from the one when Trey Brown got beat in the, that, for that touchdown, it's all – they're in position just to make the play. Just make the play and it's over. You may give up some yardage, but it's not a – it's not a breakaway long play. It's, you it's, have to make him snap it again. That's like the Jaden Davis play, right? Yeah. He's in good position. He's in good phase and coverage and goes for the breakup, and the guy runs for a 60-something-yard touchdown. Mm -hmm. And you're just like – and you did say something after the game where it, it does feel like their inability to tackle right now has now led to a lack of aggressiveness for them on the back end. Um, Makes it worse. I mean, Pat Fields, and I know that he, he was in some great spots in coverage and just could not, couldn't make a play on the football, but you could see he, he was, he, his inability to make tackles in space 
then made him a little gun shy. Like he yeah. was not, he was, he wasn't pulling the trigger coming up and making plays. Now give credit to Brees Hall, who was, in my opinion, great, the best yeah. player on the field. I, I thought he was spectacular. Uh, but damn, yeah, it was, uh, it was a rough one. It was a rough one for the OU defense. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and again, you know, you've got to go through all of your adjustments and coach all that up and put a game plan together. But at the end of the day, if you really go back and look at most of the stuff on there, there's a guy in position to make a play. You, you've schemed it up and you've drawn it up and you've aligned properly. And here it is. It's one-on-one. The, the coaches can't make the tackle for you. They can put you in position to do it, but you got to go bring the guy down and, it's, it's just clear that, that this defense is not going to improve until they are able to get guys to the ground. Yep. Well, at least they play a less talented team this week. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. We'll see. But uh, Sooners lose 37-30. So, like we always do uh, from the podcast, Twitter, go follow us at OK underscore breakdown. We tweeted out for you guys to give us your boldest takeaway from OU's loss against Iowa State uh, to uh, call your shot and call your shots brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, Maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. Okay, and we have Corey White at CWhite underscore OU. Wonder who he's a fan of. Uh, (laughs) He is calling his shot. He says... Leadership is a huge issue. Doesn't matter the area. It's an issue. Now, some young players taking to social media, not good. Teddy, did you happen to see Bryson Washington's tweet, which in a shocking development has now been deleted? (laughs) I did not see it. Thank goodness. So, yes, uh, Bryson Washington tweeted after the game that – I believe it was him and Joshua Eaton should be freed. Um, so that's, that's always fun right after a really tough loss. You got a couple of guys that weren't even playing in the game. Or I guess it's one guy. I don't want to make it sound like Joshua Eaton put that out there. It was, it was Bryson Washington that, that did that. And, yeah, not good. Not what you want. Well, no. Um, what is it that um... – don't hit send. Isn't that what we always hear? Uh, <laughs> That's that, that is it. That Don't is exactly what we always hear. Well, 
here's the thing, man, and kind of like I was saying earlier, coaches aren't in the business of playing um, bad players over good players. It's not how they keep their job. That's not how they win football games. So, I mean, they're going to put the best guys out there. Now, you do reach a, a point of, well, we got to start developing these younger guys, so off we go. So, hey, I don't know if they're going to see more time. You know, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to go impress the coach on the field with knowing all of your stuff and making the plays you're supposed to. But, you know, at this point, I mean, it's tough to say that, yeah, we're going to see some some different guys get some run out there. I mean, that may happen, but that's also an incredibly dangerous proposition. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like – I could see it maybe being a little bit better, hopefully. I mean, that's like at best it's slightly better, but at worst you get beat because you got young guys out there that are messing up. But I don't know. See, I, you're you're such a nice guy sometimes, <laughs> Ted. It's like so you just have you know, just a reminder, this is a team game. It's a team game. Um locker room. More now more than ever, you need to stick together, right? Yep. Um, now maybe some people liked what Bryson Washington said. Uh, my advice: get better at football because tweeting doesn't do shit. You would be on the field if you were better, if you practiced better, if Are they you trusted you. Me that the coaches did it, say, "Hey, did you see Twitter?" Uh, Twitter? Uh, Washington wants him and Eaton to play. Oh, that's I a guess, good idea. Guess we better put him in then. We, I mean, he tweeted it. <laughs> we better put him in. You got to be kidding me, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're not good enough to be on the field, you can't say shit. Right? Did the guys that played play well? No, not particularly. They took turns making mistakes on the back end, missing tackles. By the way, do we need to get those kids some new cleats? It was like they were on – now that is the worst field in college football, and I will stand by that. I hate that field. But it was like they were on an ice skating rink at points in time. Jordan, make us some longer spikes. Let the kids yeah. dig in a little more. Get them some now, three quarters. I don't know exactly how they do the cleat situation, but, I mean, that's part of it. You know, part of your warm-up isn't just to go out there, go through the motions, and get warm. It's to get acclimated with the, the playing field that you're going to be playing on. And, you know, cleats are – they're shoes, but they're, it's a little bit different. They're, it's a tool. And you have to understand how to manipulate that tool in the change – whatever the, the, the field is. You have to know, like, what cut you're able to get away with and what you're not and fill that out accordingly. And that's what your warm-up is for, is to put yourself in some of those situations – and see how your cleats react, see how the field reacts. So whenever you get out there in a game, you're not slipping and sliding, feet flying out from under you all and, over the place. And listen, I know OU's equipment staff knows that field well. I know they gave them all the options. Don't blame the equipment staff. Right. Those kids have all the shit in the world they need. Yep. So wear the right cleats. It's like the number one thing. That was Rex Ryan's thing. Hey, make sure you get the right cleats on. <laughs> like. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, not good. Uh, but my advice to those young guys: uh, get better at football, and you'll be on the field. 
There you go. That's simple. Uh, let's touch on Oklahoma State's win over Kansas. Uh, Oklahoma State stomps a hole in the Kansas Jayhawks in Lawrence, 47-7. Now it took them a little bit, probably a little longer than people wanted to get going offensively in this one. But I think it's clear, and you just got to call it how you see it. Now through three games, Oklahoma State appears to be the best team in the Big 12. And it's because of a solid running game and a defense that has been consistent, playing at a consistent level. They're getting consistency running the football. They're getting consistency when it comes to pressuring the quarterback. And now Shane Illingworth, he pushed it down the field a little more in this one. He had some nice throws, Tylen Wallace and Braden Johnson. Now, I do not know. How the hell a guy like Tylen Wallace gets as open as he was on a couple of those, but you know what? It is Kansas, so it, it, it is what it is. But Chuba Hubbard looked a little better. To me, looked like he was running a little harder. So hard, in fact, that the pacifier mouthpiece, it came undone and it was flopping all around. I was like, oh, look at that thing. He got wow. it fixed. Don't worry, Ted. He got it okay. fixed. But – I think when you look at it, uh, that, that defense for Oklahoma State, I was skeptical. I knew they had all those starters coming back. I didn't know how talented those guys were, but as I watch them and I continue to watch them, they play well together. They tackle pretty well. They get after the quarterback. They're more physical at the line of scrimmage, especially in the interior defensive line than I anticipated them being in. They deserve some respect. Those first-teamers that played, and they came out early in that football game, but they were very disruptive. And now Spencer Sanders, time to heal up. He'll be back, I assume, in their next game. And I'm not sure how much we learned about Oklahoma State because it was Kansas, but they look good beating the hell out of Kansas. So you got to give them the proper respect, Ted. No, you do. You do. To play Kansas is always a difficult proposition, whether it's home or away. It's hard to get – your team up and make sure they're focused and ready to go and play, you know, 60 minutes of good football. And they did that. And I mean, I, I tend to agree defensively, like at least for right now, they're doing what they're supposed to do. You can't, you can't hit them for that. I mean, they're getting to the quarterback. They're, they're aggressive and physical at the line of scrimmage. They're smart at the second level at backer. And they got some some guys that can tackle uh, on the the top end of the of the D. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that Tulsa game we learned a little bit more than we thought in that football game, right? Oh yeah, we'll get that. We'll get to that in my winners and losers of the ah, weekend. Yeah. So don't don't ruin that for me. I, okay. I I didn't forget about you, Tulsa. You're gonna get your shine, Tulsa. Um, one update. So good win for Oklahoma State. Good win yeah. for Mike Gundy. Seems like that offense is getting on track. And if that offense ramps up to the level we're used to seeing. You complement it with that defense and the special teams. I know it's boring to talk about special teams, people, but Oklahoma State, what's it? Alex Hale, I think's the kid's name. He seems pretty solid as their field goal kicker. Uh, they always have a good punter. So all three phases seems like, uh, seems like it's taking shape there in Stillwater. They're, they're starting to look like a good football team. Um, which is probably why they're up to number 10 
Yeah, it's rare in this conference someone looking like a good football team. Yeah, no shit. Oklahoma State up to number 10 in the AP poll, and Oklahoma, no surprise, falls out of the poll for the first time since September of 2016, and they will head into their matchup in Dallas unranked for the first time since 2005. First time Ouch. heading into OU Texas unranked for the Sooners since 05. If you're Ouch. Oklahoma State, do you try and find a way to maybe get the season canceled and end it as a top 10 football team? Is that like is that what you should help to do recruiting? Right now? <laughs> help recruiting finish as a top 10 squad? I don't know, man. I, I I'm excited to see them play Texas. I'm excited to see them play TCU. I'm excited to see them play Oklahoma, obviously. I think they're good. I mean, the more I watch them, the defense, like, and we talked to Brandon Whedon about it. Their defensive backs, they look good. Like, and not just from a, the, the way they're playing, but like physically. Yeah. Those dudes are big. Like Rodarius Williams, that guy looks better than anybody OU's got. Yeah. It's not close. Harvell Peel, that little badass, like, I'm just, I'm just saying, it's they look good defensively. We'll see, we'll see if they can keep it up. I know, I, I know, we all have our doubts, but they are, they're off to a good start. All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working through Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. All right, let's recap a couple of the marquee games from this weekend, Ted. And, okay, it sucks that OU lost because we really can't make fun of A&M, <laughs> which is really unfortunate. But A&M goes to Tuscaloosa and gets – that ass waxed 24 to 52. Now, I, I don't even know how much fun I can make of A&M. And it's not just because, oh, you lost to Iowa State. But, dude, holy shit. Look at Alabama. I mean, they look ridiculous right now. Every level on both sides of the ball. And they absolutely put it on. A&M now I'm going to I'm trying to be fair here it looked like it was going to be a good one early right was back that 14 and forth all early yeah back and forth football game it was it was fun I was like okay let's go we were watching it in the radio booth their names I was like we got a game boys let's go and then Bama's depth their talent they they just took over the football game and honestly I'm not sure what <laughs> What Texas A&M could have done about it. Now, you turn the football over like like I understand, but that Bama team is terrifying. The big question, right, coming in the year, we knew they had guys 
in the secondary and guys at linebacker with Moses back. And they always have badass defensive linemen. But the question was, hey, can Mac Jones be anything close to what Tua was? Or I guess the question was, will they start the freshman kid or Mac Jones? But right. Mac Jones looks awesome. Uh, I mean, went for 435, four touchdowns. And you look at that core of wide receivers. I mean, what do you do? You're, if you roll coverage to Waddle or Devontae Smith, then all of a sudden this guy named John Mechie, I think I'm saying that right. That's how they were saying it. But he'll, he almost had 200 yards receiving against Texas A&M. Like, they just have dude after dude after dude. And I haven't even mentioned Najee Harris. That's what I was about me. to say. If you roll coverage to anyone, that means you're not gap sound and you're going to be fighting a losing battle in the in the box. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what they've done. That's what talent is, which, you know, th- this goes back to like a basic core issue with Oklahoma. You know, like development of talent. I'm sitting here thinking about our five stars that we have on our football team and – we're getting like zero impact right now from our five stars in the football games. And the ones that I can think of is Bray Walker. I mean, only comes in if someone loses a helmet. Um, Caleb Kelly obviously has fought injury. Buki, who has turned himself into a multi-year starter, but right now, you know, you make the the argument that he's more of an asset than a, uh, or more of a liability than an asset. Uh, at times, and then you've got like Theo Weiss, Hazelwood, Bridges. You got one injured, one suspended there, and the other had an opportunity for a touchdown and dropped it. I mean, we're getting, we're not, we're not getting much out of our five stars right now, which is those are supposed to be difference-making players on your football team, and it's not happening for us. Obviously, Rattler is is a five-star and playing really well, but outside of that, we're not, we're not getting, we're not getting like any type of real impact from those guys. Yeah. Now, Bama, to be fair, Bama's got five stars everywhere. (laughs) Like, they're all. Every player. They're they're essentially all five stars. But that OL OL for them is coming into form, man. Leatherwood, those guys, they're starting to bully people up front. They dominated that game against A&M. Yeah. I mean, my big – I get it with Alabama. Like, that's – like, if we play Alabama, that's how we should feel. It's like, you know, they just got way more talent than us. But whenever we play Kansas State and Iowa State, there's no way it should be that way. And we've got a, a roster full of, you know, four-stars and some five-star guys. Neither one of those teams have one four-star or one five-star player on there. So, that's frustrating. To say the least. Yeah. Uh, another game where there were a bunch of five stars on the field. Uh, Auburn went to Georgia, and it did not go well for Auburn. The only reason I picked Georgia to win this football game was I said they got more talented players, and that that Georgia defense is a problem. And, well, it also turns out that Stetson Bennett, what is he, the fourth? The The fourth. The fourth. Stetson Bennett, the fourth. Yeah, that's the least shocking thing I've heard. He has, it fits perfectly. 
he has fulfilled his destiny with that name and is now a starting SEC quarterback. And he looks solid for the dogs. Yeah. He, he really did. They just have – they got more talent than Auburn. And Auburn's got a lot of talent. But you just look at some of those guys on that Georgia defense and then you look at a guy like George Pickens who looks like a joke human being. I mean, looks like he's made out of marble. <laughs> and then – what, the Kyrus Jackson kid was Stetson's go-to guy? God, I can't believe I'm going to have to say the name Stetson Bennett because <laughs> they can't go away from him after the way he played in that game. I mean, they just can't. Now, maybe JT Daniels gets the job eventually once he's healthy enough, but I know one thing after watching that football game. George's defense is legit, and I, I will say Bo Nix is, in my mind, he's kind of the definition of an average quarterback, but that Georgia defense was dominant and Auburn couldn't do anything offensively. Couldn't run it. Knicks couldn't throw it. Receivers couldn't get separation. Georgia dominated that football game and yep. it showed on the scoreboard. I was totally wrong in this one. I, I was, I was kind of of the feeling that Georgia may slip back into that role of kind of what they were under Mark Rick, like a nine or 10 win season every year, but couldn't get over the, over the hump. Um, that defense is legit. I mean, they've recruited great. They've got some dudes on that team and the quarterback's been the issue. There was a long time in the sec where you could get, get by with a great running game, uh, some good offensive linemen, a couple of skill guys, and a great defense. That's not the case anymore. You've got to have a quarterback. And as we've seen, like, with Alabama and LSU last year, um, Trask this year at Florida, that you've got to have every single weapon. And that's why I was like, I'm not sure with Georgia, but I didn't see Stetson coming. I should have known with a name like that that he was going to perform good. But um, that was a mistake by me to take Auburn. Do you think Stetson, Stetson's the hat company, right? The like, you know, the trendy hats that people wear like in Nashville. Aren't those called I, Stetsons? And they make uh, like cowboy hats too. Is that right? I I thought they make like I thought I think maybe yes, but it's also like a cologne, right? And it kind of like the cowboy cologne. I'm just going to Google Stetson and see what's <laughs> what comes up. Okay, so the first thing that comes up on Google are a bunch of hats. Huh. So, oh, man, damn, these are expensive. So uh, I wonder if Stetson, like, right, name, image, and likeness is coming down the pipe next year, right? This dude is going to have a Stetson sponsorship immediately, and he's going to be wearing those hats to the games. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be a big feather in them. It's going to be sick. Can't he's going to ride up to the facility on a horse. <laughs> get off <laughs> all right guys let's play a ball game all right but uh one more game uh from the weekend and it was a good one uh tcu goes to austin and beats texas again texas losing to tcu for the sixth time in seven years in one of the sloppiest football games i've watched in a long time there were so many damn penalties I mean, there were so many penalties in this game that the announcers were making jokes about it, 
and when they would throw it back to the studio to the big noon kickoff guys, they were making jokes about it. Like that's how many penalties and how sloppy this thing was. But Teddy, it's, it, it was pretty simple for me. Max Duggan outplayed Sam Ellinger. And I know Ellinger, uh, I know he had all the touchdowns, but wasn't very efficient throwing the ball, put the ball in some really risky spots. And with what Duggan was able to do with his legs in this game, I mean, you saw the athleticism on the QB draw they dialed up that ended up being the game-winning touchdown. It, It looks like he's improving as a passer. And you just can't question the kid's toughness, right, (laughs) with with the whole heart situation. But I I think there was a lot of good in this game, a lot of ugly in this game. But clearly, the play that everyone's talking about, Keontae Ingram reaching the ball out on the one-yard line on first and goal. He reached it out on first and goal which is a huge no-no. You only reach it out on fourth down. That's one of the rules. Now, maybe things have changed, but that's all we used to hear in offensive meetings. Hey, why are you reaching the ball out? You only reach the ball out on fourth down. And he reaches it out on first and goal when they would have had three more plays to punch it in. It gets knocked out. And game over. Longhorns lose. Keontae Ingram feels awful for the next week. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I did feel bad for him, but that's, that's the nature of uh, big boy football. Let this be a lesson to all of the kids out there. This is why you play your ass off every single snap from whistle to whistle. Because on the play just before that, it's a long play down the field. I don't know. It was the running back. Was it Ingram that caught the pass? Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge play in the game, too. Yeah. Like He catches a long pass, and he's got, you know, 10 yards of separation between anyone. It looks like he's going to walk into the end zone. But someone from TCU strains their ass off to get down there, catch him, make him snap it again, right? Always make him snap it again. You never know what's going to happen and what happens on the next play fumble you win the game so the game winning play was the dude that caught him from behind and forced him to have to earn it down there getting into the end zone and they fumbled it and won the football game that is why coaches tell you to go whistle to whistle there's no doubt huge play and it sets up a less than exciting well it's always exciting but Kind of sucks Texas lost that game. I'm not going to lie. It, it, it would have been nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Credit to TCU, who now looks like if Duggan keeps getting better with some of the skill guys they have, yeah. and I know they're still trying to figure things out at running back, but they got some guys that can go. Whoever their strength coach is, is doing a good job because they got some impressive-looking skill players Um, we'll see if they factor into the big 12 picture they just might man yeah their defense is going to get better now they're going to give up some plays we've seen that but they're going to be tough for anyone it's a tough preparation week against them and they've got some guys that can always make you pay 
the, I think Duggan's the real difference, man. That's why TCU like TCU is really good and formidable whenever they've got a quarterback. Haven't had one in a while, but if he continues to to be a, a dual threat for them, make some plays in the running game and get better throwing the football, I mean, look out, TCU could you know, I'm not saying sitting here saying they're gonna go win the conference or anything, but they're gonna win some tough games. I'm with you. I like the kid. Like him a lot. A uh, few pieces of college football news before we move on to the segments. SMU got a big win, moved to 4-0 by beating Memphis on Saturday in what was a really good G5 game. Big win for Shane Bouchel and the Ponies. But <laughs> the most interesting part about this football game, the SMU student section, well, uh, they all got ejected. The entire student section, I think it was like around 1,000 kids, they got ejected from the game in the first half for not following mask and social distancing protocols, guidelines, whatever you want to call them. Campus police comes into the student section, into the stands, clears them all out. Now, uh, it sounds like some of them migrated to other spots throughout the stadium. And maybe didn't leave, but sounds like a lot of them left. That is hilarious. I I read about that and saw a video, and I was like, this may be the best thing that happened on Saturday in college football. All these students get like – now, to be fair, they got warned. I think they got warned the week leading up to the game. They got warned during the game, and shocker, SMU kids didn't follow uh, what – authority figures were saying they probably were like do you know who my dad is but <laughs> you know how much I, I, he paid to get me in here yeah yeah uh, uh, i thought that was pretty damn funny ted it was funny and i've seen a lot of that going around i saw uh the mask shamers were out in full force on social media for i believe the auburn georgia game going after the fan base is there uh the mask shamers were out uh, going after Iowa State for their post-game celebration in the locker room whenever they were dancing and singing and having a good time. So, How dare they enjoy a huge win? How dare they? Yeah, well, I don't know. That <laughs> It's a weird year in college football whenever um, you're having student sections tossed, um, people slamming a celebration in the locker room, but that's just where we are. We could deal with that as long as we're playing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can – hell, at least they'll use playing the games. <laughs> they're one and two, but at least they're playing. At least well, they're, they're there. At, at least at <laughs> least we got something to watch and to complain about. That's pretty much what we're doing now. Uh, one more piece of college football news. Bummer for the Badgers of Wisconsin. Uh, starting quarterback Jack Cohn. Injured his foot at practice and will have surgery. Sounds like he's going to miss several weeks. Uh, Big Ten starts October 24th, I believe that's right. So not great for the Badgers. Now they have a big-time recruit. I think he's like the highest recruit at quarterback they've ever gotten. Uh, Mertz kid, but we'll, we'll see. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Maybe the, they're getting the more talented player on the field. I don't know, but – not good when your starting quarterback breaks his foot in I mean, practice. I know they, they start October 24th, and then what, the Pac-12 is a week later than that? 
Is that right? And I know we're in the month of October now, but that feels like a lifetime from now. Eternity. <laughs> what it, what do you think feels what do you think feels longer? The Big Ten schedule, like those games starting, or that drive back from Ames? Oh, uh, that was I'm telling you, man. I'm done with that. I could road trip my ass off as a younger uh, man, but wow. I, it just totally ruined Sunday. <laughs> my, I, my body feels awful as we're doing this. Like I'm realizing, it's terrible. Like, I, I'm realizing how shitty I actually feel. And I'm like, man, I can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> That's not, <laughs> but you know what? We're going to keep bringing it. Uh, let's move on to our segments. We'll start with our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs to help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE. Or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you'll get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I know we we hit on this, but you have to go with TCU over Texas. I didn't know whether to put TCU as my winner or Texas as my loser, but I had to find a way to get back to this. Um, TCU's beat the University of Texas is like supposedly the biggest and best program in all of Texas. They've beat them six out of the last seven years. Question and, here in the back. Yeah. Um, if one team has beat the other six out of the last seven, doesn't that like, it, doesn't that make them the best? It certainly makes them better than, than that group. That, I, than that group. So like, doesn't that make them the best in Texas. Well, there, there's always A&M. You probably line up A&M, and I know they just got their ass whooped by Bama, but you line up A&M against anyone else in Texas right now, and A&M's probably favored, right? Which I guess what I really should have done is taken the entire state of Texas as my loser because outside of SMU, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe you throw Baylor in there, but like the pride of your, 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 it's the Dallas Cowboys, the Houston Texas, heck, Texans, A&M, and UT. Like this is supposed to be the football state, and all of those programs right now are terrible. Mm. That's rough. So I'm sorry. And we got a lot of people in Texas that listen to this podcast, and I'm my condolences. Well, the people that are listening to this podcast, I say congratulations because you get to go into work and tell them how – well, actually, this is like a ceasefire, I think, between OU fans and Texas fans. Everyone's like, hey, (laughs) yeah, you know, no, we're good. I know, you know. We'll do it again next year. Yeah, you know, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, Who do you have as your loser of the weekend, Ted? Well, I think you – don't you have to go with JT Daniels? I mean, mm, that's a good one. Here's the thing. JT Daniels was at USC, five-star recruit, big-time recruit, and then, you know, couldn't get it done there, had a little bit of an injury. Then the Slovis kid comes in. He transfers out and goes to Georgia. 
And then it looks like, okay, Newman's done. He's going to be the guy. And then Stetson, of all people, come well, out. Remember, and, it was DeWan, and then DeWan right. wasn't good enough against Arkansas. And then it was Stetson. Right. And you, I mean, I don't know how you ever unseat a guy named Stetson. <laughs> I don't even know how that I, happens. Dude, I can see the hat now. He's going to look like he's a member of, God, what's that horrible one? Uh, Florida Georgia Line. He's yeah. going to have those hats. You know what I'm talking about? That one guy? You know exactly what <laughs> oh I'm talking about. My I will say something about those Stetson hats. They're expensive, but if you get one, like, custom-made for your head, it looks good. It I does. mean, here's the it thing. Don't pair a, an expensive Stetson hat with, like, an Affliction T-shirt. Oh, no. Like the Florida Georgia Line guys. And some of those – what are those jeans that have, like, the back pockets are oh, all – Oh, like Miss <laughs> Miss Me or whatever? Is that the, the bedazzled – are you a be, – you're not a bedazzled pocket guy, are you? No, oh, no. Oh, thank God. That's what I think of when I think of, like, the – I mean, I wear skinny jeans only, but I'm <laughs> – I would, I would never let bedazzled jeans touch these thighs. Oh, Florida Georgia line. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think that's our first Florida Georgia line uh, reference on this we podcast. We have to find a way to get that in every – somehow get it in every day. Hey, that's, there's a will, there's a way. Um, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my house, which is why my wife had a few people over to watch OU lose oh. in the theater room, in the basement. But Sound Advice did it, and at least looked great as the Sooners lost. So We got to uh, watch in comfort, I guess. Oh, yes. Uh, so for, for the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay. My winner of the weekend. Now, I thought about going the NFL route and going with – the rookie quarterbacks, right? We saw Justin Herbert played pretty well in the Chargers' loss. I know they lost, but played pretty damn well. Had some big-time throws in their loss to the Bucks. We saw Joe Burrow, what, went for over 300, got his first win as a pro, uh, put out a funny tweet. It was like, I like winning, which was great. <laughs> winning feels good. Um, but there can only be one winner of the weekend, and we're going to keep it here in the state. And my winner of the weekend is the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Listen, I know. I disparage the Tulsa Dur Golden Hurricane on here. I poke fun at them. But I'm here to say I was wrong. I'm an idiot. <laughs> they, went, they went to Orlando, to the bounce house, and beat the fighting Josh Heupels of UCF, and they did it in comeback fashion, and they did it with style down big in the first half. They didn't care. Just kept chipping away, forced three turnovers, the forced fumble on the kickoff return coming out of the half. That was a huge play. And then steady as can be, man, Zach Smith uh, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. The quarterback was ripping it 
efficiently on offense, had those three touchdowns. Now, we were all holding our breath a little bit on that Hail Mary at the end of the game. Dylan Gabriel let that thing go, and I was like, oh, no, don't do it. Come on. <laughs> and it didn't happen. So I was, I was really, really, really impressed. I was. And that's two years in a row that Tulsa – remember, they beat him in Tulsa last year, and we all were like, damn. But to go to UCF – and we've watched that team, Ted. Yeah. That team looks like a Power 5 team. Like, they do. And it's starting to feel like the game that Tulsa played against Oklahoma State was no fluke. Like, Phil Montgomery I, – I know he receives a lot of criticism, and it's deserved, there's no doubt. But you beat UCF two years in a row. You go beat them on the road. I'm sorry for doubting you, Tulsa. That's on me. That's my bad. That's my bad. Now, I saw this. I read this pretty crazy stat. It was Tulsa's first win over a top 15 opponent since 1991. Wow. I was one. That was un- that's unbelievable. I I don't know how many opportunities they get outside of if they're playing Oklahoma or Oklahoma State in a given year. So there's few opportunities for a top 15 opponent. But dude, that's massive. Um, they I th- had to be partying balls in the 918 on Saturday night. Responsibly, I'm, of course. Responsibly. Sure. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about Central Florida where what uh, Phil still picked him to make the college football playoff. Now, that was before we knew the Pac-12 and the, and the Big Ten were going to be playing. But, I mean. It's a bad loss. It, it's it's kind of like OU's K-State loss. Special teams mistakes. Yeah. Blew a Second big lead. In a row. Well, I think it was a 16-point lead right there in the first half. I mean, it's not yeah. 21. Come on. They can't outdo the Sooners. Let's go. But. Yeah. And they beat you last year. That's yeah. That's a good good comparison. It's very similar, very similar. Maybe Josh Heupel, he's still got too much of that OU DNA in him, man. Oh wow, that's nice. That's good. I dude, I feel bad for him because if you're Central Florida, like we we just now started October and the season's over. Yeah. I, I mean, the goals to to do something big every year and. You know, I, I don't know. But that's how it goes, man. If you don't show up ready to play, you get beat. Yeah, and they just they took the foot off the gas. Now, credit to Tulsa, my winner of the weekend. Way to go, Tulsa. We're all proud of you. You brought some joy. You brought some joy to this OU fan. I needed that. Good job. Now, my loser of the weekend, thought about going. You mentioned the Houston Texans uh, because they got beat at home by Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. <sighs> Moving them to 0 and 4 on the year. Yes, 0 and 4. Wow. And poor Deshaun Watson, they can't protect that guy. It's, it's ugly. I mean, it is, it is very, very ugly. But the loser of the weekend has to be all the OU fans that are also Dallas Cowboys fans. <laughs> I mean, it just has to be. I, and I know there's a lot of them. Especially, there's a lot of them that listen to this podcast, and, and I'm sorry. Now, we talked about the disappointment in Ames rather extensively, broke it all down. That Cowboys game was a roller coaster of emotions for people. I mean, they're down big. They come storming back 
to give Cowboys fans some sense of hope, and then all of a sudden, Odell Beckham Jr. gets that reverse and just turns on the Jets and scores a touchdown, ripping their hearts out. I mean, Ted, Dak threw for 502 yards and four touchdowns, and they lost by double digits. I mean, that was a crazy game. Like, so here's the thing about that Odell Beckham. Like, they actually shouldn't have scored there. Like, they probably didn't want to score. You want to just possess the football because they actually gave the Cowboys a chance. Now, they were going to have to score two touchdowns, but at least they had the football and were going to have a chance, to, like, if they scored a touchdown, to try and get an onside kick again and fire it towards the end zone, but they can't get in. Uh, Prescott throws an interception, but I they're making this like he, it's great for Prescott because they get behind so much that everyone just like totally relaxes and he goes out there and you know throws a ton of yards. But boy, the Cowboys got problems on defense. They can't they're stop bad. anyone. They're bad. Yeah. Real, real, real bad. Like gave up forty nine. And don't get me wrong, the Browns are good. Uh, I think that they Baker's found looking good. We'll see what uh, Nick Chubb's status is. That knee, ooh, that yeah. didn't uh, that didn't look great. Sounds like MRI in the morning. We'll know more. But I, I guess if you're the combo fan, OU Dallas Cowboy combo, uh, at least CD Lamb, another solid performance, two touchdowns. I don't know how he gets that open, but hey. And then let's throw it to the Belldozer more. Did you see my man? Carrying guys, he's carrying. He's carrying guys to the first down marker. Come on, like let, saw, let's give my man some more shine. I saw two catches of his. Did he have any more, or did he just have the two? I think it was just the two, right? Now the Who's Schultz that other guy, kid Schultz, is that? Him? I don't know. He's he got a like long, he got hurt late. Yeah, I know. He got hit in that knee too, and we all Jarwin already out for the year with the ACL tear, non-contact. That sucks. Blake Jarwin, good dude. He's a good dude, but. Yeah, let's feed let's feed the dozer. I I guess if you're the OU Cowboys combo, like you may feel a little better because they lost to Baker and Baker was efficient again, right? And it, it feels like he's got that swagger back a little bit. Now, like you mentioned, the Cowboys have some serious problems on defense. Can't stop the run. They can't cover. Secondary missing all kinds of tackles. This is starting to sound somewhat familiar, <laughs> but they gave up 49 to a team that ran it 40 times. That's uh, that's an issue. So uh, the silver lining, though, I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring some hope for the OU Dallas Cowboy combo fan. OU is technically I I still think that OU can make the Big 12 championship game. I, I really do. Sure. I, I think it's going to be a really weird year, and the Cowboys are one and three, and they're tied for the lead in the NFC East. Let's go! I mean, they are division; they are divisional leader right now in the driver's seat. Ted, that's amazing that that. I mean, that's the NFL though. That division went from being really tough with Dallas and Philly to all of a sudden being a uh, potential dumpster fire. Here's the thing, you know, I I classify myself, I guess, as a Dallas Cowboys hater. It's not necessarily that I hate them. It's that rooting against them is the most rewarding thing in all of sports. It's like it's it's fantastic. <laughs> it's um, fantastic. But usually, like even 
even this year as a Cowboys hater, it sucks because I, they are giving up so many points and so far behind that it kind of ruins the – the thing that's always been great about rooting against the Cowboys is it's usually a disaster at the end. It's like something – like a pick six by Romo or, um, you know, they can't get the extra point. It's, there's always some type of disaster. And this year it's – it's a disaster, but it's a little bit different. You know, it's not it's, like the it's horrible not the disaster the you like. I right. got you. I got you. Uh, quick note: Congrats to the Miami Heat. They win Game Three of the NBA Finals tonight, uh, making it a little interesting. Maybe you knew they were going to steal one game. I'm still thinking gentlemen sweep for LeBron oh and God. the Lakers. But I'm, I'm shocked at this point they even wanted to win a game. Doesn't everyone in the bubble just want to go the hell home? Yeah, but that's that's kind of the, what they keep calling it heat culture, baby. Uh, those dudes, I are, like it. That those dudes are grinders. It sucks now, that you know that the the Lakers are expecting them to just roll over and die for them. Well, yeah, I mean Dragic and Bam, they didn't play again, so I'm sure the Lakers are like, ah, well, let's roll the ball out there, we'll win. Um, but credit to the Heat, right? Fought their ass off. So hey, if they cool. can if they can make LeBron stay down there in Orlando for. Uh, a few more games. I'm I'm all for it. Make him suffer. Just just make him make his hair keep looking worse and worse. <laughs> but hey, Jimmy Butler had 40. Wow. Damn. Well done. Well done, Jay Butler. Tough dude. I like Butler. Yeah, he's a grinder. All right, let's move on to Wet the Beak. And Wet the Beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you are looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He's still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build a house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. I'm not going to lie. I, I think I'm starting to get delirious. Uh, reading's <laughs> getting difficult. The sleep deprivation is it's taking me over, Ted, but we, we just got this. And keeping it local left. We can make it, man. Here we go. Monday night football. Now, the football gods have blessed us with an unexpected Monday night football doubleheader. And I won't lie. I, I do not really care about the 0-3 Atlanta Falcons going to get their ass kicked in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is going to do what Aaron Rodgers does this year. That man is on a mission. And I love it. So, let's wet the beak with the other game. Teddy, your Patriots, Sands, Cam Newton, are going to take on the Chiefs at Arrowhead at 6.05 on CBS. Monday Night Football on CBS. That's weird, but all right, let's do it. Now, for you, does this game lose its sizzle a little bit with – how about Cam being the only guy test positive? That's kind of crazy. 
Like that's it's weird. What I'm, was he doing? I'm still hoping that the game actually takes place. That's my that's my big thing. Is agreed. I hope the game actually happens. But uh, as far as losing is losing at Sizzle, hell no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is like the greatest opportunity of all time. Now, whenever Cam was healthy, and the game was uh, you know going to happen normally. The Patriots were a seven point dog then. Which at that point, the Patriots, a seven-point dog, I thought was presenting the greatest betting opportunity in the history of mankind uh, to take the Patriots. And but then it I got better. I can't with believe eleven points. Am I referencing "Dude, Where's My Car"? That's how you know. Like I'm just delirious, man. I think that's the no second time. <laughs> I think that's no the indeed. second time I've done it too. I'm losing my mind. Um. Now you get 11 points in the New England Patriots. Are you kidding me? This is like it's Christmas in early October for all those uh, betters out there. The last time the Patriots were not a favorite, I believe, was 2015 whenever um, Tom Brady was suspended for the deflate gate. The year that the Buffalo Bills went to New England and shut out the New England Patriots? No big Maybe deal. so. And then they came to Buffalo and scored like forty something and beat the hell out of us. It was like I was like, oh, that, that quarterback guy—he makes a pretty big difference. I'm telling you, the Chiefs. I mean, who do, who do you think they're going to go with? They got to go with Stidham, right? See what the young guys got. You get. I know Brian Hoyer. He's reliable. You know, you can trust him. You know, he's he's not going to lose you the game. But when you're going against Mahomes. And all of those weapons that the Chiefs have on offense, like, why not roll the young kid out there, let him throw it around a little bit, see what he's got, right? See how it's kind of like a sink or swim situation in my mind. I mean, it seems like if you listen to anyone that was around the, the, the facility before Cam signed on with the Patriots late, it was Jarrett Stidham was their guy, and Hoyer was kind of the stopgap, right? In in case uh, he just absolutely couldn't get it done, Hoyer was going to be the guy. So I would assume that they're going to go with Stidham. Um, they're going to create some ways to get him the ball, get every or get some easy opportunities for him with that and, offense that they've got. Burkhead and that running game's really come alive. Yeah, and even Sony Michelle. I mean, he he's starting to run. Uh, like a high draft pick. I mean, he he's had a disappointing. You you compare Sony Michelle and what Nick Chubb has done, and you're like, damn. So it's, uh, the, it's the easiest bet ever. You take the Patriots plus eleven. That's what Vegas wants you to think, Teddy. That's exactly what they're banking. Now, one interesting thing about Stidham, he can move around a little bit. Like yeah. he he's got some good athleticism to him. So I, I wonder how much of that QB run game that we've All been day. seeing him use. I was like, why not? Let, let Stidham get hit as many times as you want, right? Cam's yeah. going to be back soon. That's so right. I, I think the strategy for the Patriots, like you said, Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle, hand it off, try to shorten the game, uh, try to keep Pat Mahomes on the sideline. I mean, that's easier said than done. Now, it sounds like Chris Jones – probably not going to play in this one with the groin. Now, I think he's listed as questionable, but we'll see. If he doesn't play, that is a huge deal because that guy is an absolute monster on the defensive line for the Chiefs. A lot of people know that he is a monster from uh, his 40th combine. Uh, That is a famous video. 
but <laughs> it took you a while, but you it got did. it, didn't it? Did that's funny. Pleasure to meet you, Chris. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. No, I, this I, is I, the easiest. This is the easiest bet you've ever made in your so, life. So you're going Patriots plus eleven. Oh my God! Yeah, I've I've okay. already like okay. taken out a second mortgage to put I, the just, house on it. Just to make it fun, give me the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs. Uh, I'll I'll lay the points. Give me the Chiefs. I think it could be a could be one of those where after it we're talking about man. So what are the worst losses under Belichick? <laughs> oh please! I'm just saying. Hey, don't be surprised. We're don't probably going to be saying like. Belichick, the master, doesn't even need Brady, doesn't need Cam Newton. Holds Kansas City to 56. Unbelievable <laughs> performance. That offense, I mean, that offense is just stupid at this point. Hey, but if Chris Jones doesn't play, you can get that running game going. I, I could definitely see it. it would not shock me if that's a low-scoring game. I, and I know what, what is a low-scoring game for the Chiefs. That's kind of – uh, another question, but maybe the Chiefs. I, I could see them scoring like twenty-eight, which is a lot because I, I do think they're going to be pretty limited in their possessions. But we'll see. At least, hopefully, that game happens because that's, that's like kind of what I'm thinking. That's that's some that was a huge game. Other than Chiefs Ravens, with the way that Cam was looking, I I don't know. Yeah, but I, I'm I excited was, about it. I thought it was a potential preview of like the AFC Championship. Uh, possibility but I do like um, I mean I the, like Steelers I know like my two teams that I like out of the AFC right now Steelers and Patriots are having some issues obviously the the Steelers game but they're both going through some virus stuff but the AFC looks salty dude there's some good teams the Ravens the Chiefs it's a, it's a good conference <sighs> I love pro football I do so too fun. So fun. Now, college is the best, but NFL. Nothing. Is it the best? Ah, I mean, this year's weird. It's 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 a lot better when OU's better than this. Yeah. Well. Yeah. What I love about it is, like, almost every week there's going to be even whenever you think a game isn't going to be good, you're going to find yourself like at the end of the day. Most of the time, they're going to be tight, competitive football games. And it's like a soap opera. Everything ties together. Yeah. But completely agree with that. Uh, but I, I guess the great thing about the NFL is the parody, right? Like, you think you think you know who's going to win, but every Sunday you're like, okay, the other guys are professionals. Uh, let's see what happens. I think that's what makes it fun. But I still think college is yeah. the best. Welcome to the Big 12 this year. Oh, my God. It's going to get weird. Could you see a three-loss team playing in the Big 12 championship game? I mean, let's take a Oklahoma, two, for example. two two-loss teams, maybe. Oklahoma was your, your huge betting favorite to win the Big 12 this year. They've lost their first two conference games, and their next two conference games are probably more losable than the first two were. Maybe not Iowa State, but you've got – you got Texas, and then you're going to TCU to play a team that looks like they're getting better and better every single week. So, like, we're not out of the woods yet. I know we haven't we haven't won a conference game yet, and it's the schedule's not looking great moving forward. Yeah, gonna be a weird year. Let's get weird. 
Let's get weird, people. All right, let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment, and that is Keeping It Local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. It's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Schools are reopening in the fall. Parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students feel fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available for, or, for more information. For, or information, for more information, <laughs> visit bmchs.org. All right, we're going to try to keep this short because I think we're both about to fall asleep. So uh, there was an interesting article, and – it, it was in the Oklahoma, and it was by Brandy McDonald, and it got me fired up because I, I love when the state of Oklahoma gets new things or when Oklahoma City gets something new that I can be excited about. And this was one where I was like, huh, I didn't know that that was a thing. There is a new animal at the Oklahoma City Zoo, Teddy. I, now, I want, you, I want you to venture a guess. Uh, the name of the animal is an okapi. I think I'm saying that right. Okapi. Okapi. Hmm. Any guesses on what an okapi is? Okapi. 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 Um, I don't know. Let, let's start here. Land or sea? And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see if you can get. I think it's got to be land. Okay. Okay. You're you're correct. Um, two legs or four legs? Or oh, copy. Oh, copy. I think it's a bird. Mmm. Mmm. No. No. Think. Uh, think bigger. Think tall. Think taller. What is the tallest animal you can think of? A giraffe. Very warm. Very, very, you're scolding hot on your guess. Huh. I don't know. So what? Okay. So I don't know how I expected you to get this because I just learned just about like this. Just like a different kind of giraffe or something? Okay. The Okapi, which the Oklahoma City Zoo now has one, I believe a two-year-old. Uh, it's the only living relative of the giraffe. Huh. They are known as, quote, Ghosts of the forests, and I want you to Google it right now. I, I think am. it's a. I think it's O K O P I O copy. I think I'm spelling that. There's there's some animal lover listening to this that thinks yes. we are. It's O K A P I A P I. It gotcha. looks like a mix between a giraffe and a zebra. Okay, that, that it has stripes on its legs. Like, what the hell's going yeah. on here? I, I was looking at it in the article, and I was like, oh, my God, what is this thing? I, I didn't know this thing existed, and I kind of think I'm going to go to the zoo to see it because it is a, it's a crazy-looking animal. Yeah, it's known as the forest giraffe. It's a Congolese giraffe or zebra giraffe. It is an uh, artidactyl mammal native to northeast of the Democratic Republic of the Congo in Central Africa. It looks pretty cool. <laughs> You're so okay. So uh, my question is, 
are you a zoo guy? Do do you like because my my nephews have been wanting me to take them to the zoo like a lot. And my wife took them, but I was I, unfortunately I was working. I was filming Sooner Game Day with you, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't take them. But there's a lot of walking. But right now the weather's great, weather's so good. I wouldn't be like sweating my ass off. So I don't think I'd be in a bad mood or anything. And now I think this so copy may be the thing that kind of pushes me over the edge. It's like, okay, I'll go to the zoo. I'll go see this zebra giraffe. I I like the zoo, but I feel like the zoo is one of those things that is always like better in thought than it is like whenever you actually get there. I, but maybe that's me. I'm I, I kind of like whenever it's just walking around and there's a bunch of people and you're just kind of standing around. Like if you can guarantee me a day whenever the weather is nice and there's not a bunch of people there. Let's do this. I'd love to go see the animals, but I what do happens? not want to navigate a crowd in the heat. Oh, my nightmare. My absolute. And I'm, I'm sure they're like limiting how many people can come into the zoo right now because Probably. still the whole virus thing. But uh, I think the worst part of zoos, like you go to the zoo and none of the animals come out. Like they're, they're all just like, kind of sleeping in the corner somewhere. <laughs> they're yeah. all just resting. Like you're just like, come on, man, stupid animal. Yeah, uh, but I like it. I like to go see the animals. I think that's cool. And this thing is, I mean, dude, it's fascinating looking at it. I, I'm not going to lie. If someone told me that there was a giraffe zebra or a zebra giraffe, uh, that is nicknamed the ghost of the forest, I wouldn't have I, I would have thought they were messing with me. Like if they showed me a picture, I'd be like, "That is photoshopped. That doesn't exist." And I went down a Google Images and YouTube video rabbit hole. I don't even know if I'm saying this right. Oh, copy. I think I'm saying it right. I think that's right. But well, I, it's it's really cool. So I think I think I'm gonna go look at this thing. It looks to me, and I may be getting this book like completely wrong but it looks like someone randomly put two different animals together was that the island of dr moreau that that was happening that sounds right that could be totally wrong but it doesn't look like a natural thing it looks like someone like put the pieces of a zebra on the body of a giraffe i mean it's the weirdest thing ever uh, the Island of Dr. Moreau is an 1896 science fiction novel by H.G. Wells. Uh, it is the narration of Edward Prendick, a shipwrecked man rescued by a passing boat who is left on the island home of Dr. Moreau, a mad scientist who creates human-like hybrid beings from animals via vivisection dude look at the memory on you look at the big brain on you bud how did i pull that out of on a daylight today i don't even know you're so delirious that it's allowing you to access parts of your mind that you didn't even know were around in there (laughs) okay this shit's over (laughs) episode 48 in the books we'll have a new podcast that will drop thursday morning we will preview ou texas uh, we'll try to find someone good to come on yeah. with us 
for it's that. Weird. This game is already here. It's so weird. And it's weird, and it it's going to be even weirder, man, when we get there. Whew, yeah. It's going to be odd. And it doesn't feel like much is on the line, which is really weird. Which I'm kind of with Toby in a sense that, you know, both teams going in uh, not playing their best football, things look weird, but it's probably going to put out like one of the greatest games of all time. I will say, when two desperate teams get together, right. usually pretty fun to watch, so I can't wait. It should the be a good one. The beauty of this game is someone has to win. That, there's no doubt, bro. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more